Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Oldie Butter Goodie. It's episode 131 and we're talking about a film called Inner Space, which came out this week back in the year 1987. That's what we do. We're reviewing the whole movie. All the all the movies that came out yeah. that year in the order they came out in. And I'm joined by Zach as always. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling well. I had a weird incident earlier, but um, oh. other than that, I'm doing well. Well, it shouldn't affect the episode because we've got a great guest coming into the studio eventually. Ben Volchok is going to help out on the episode and is going to bring us to comedy gold constantly. It's going to be great. I can't wait for him to get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be Hello. great. Hello. Hi. What? Um... Did you say something, Sandra? I didn't say anything. No, no. No, I, 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 I swear. I, I said it. Hello. Who is that? It's, it's me. It's Ben. Why are you saying Hi, hello, I'm, Zach? I hear Ben. I think I hear Ben. You can hear Ben. Where, where are you? I'm here. Are you in the call? I don't know. I'm, I'm in some kind of like a weird cavernous, like a gloopy cavernous. It's <laughs> a lot of dead air. Place in this episode already. <laughs> A gloopy cavernous place. What? Yeah, I don't know. I I seem to be in some kind of a weird enclosure. A weird enclosure. I don't know how how I I don't know how I got here. But ben, is it possible that you are currently inside me right now? Oh god! Just like in the movie that we just watched. No, 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 no. I no, please no. I, I did French some random person and feel weird afterwards. It's possible that you jumped in. From them. Wait, so but that but I wasn't in any Oh my god. Was I in somebody to begin with and then I <laughs> yes. got passed through the saliva into your body? I hate this. <laughs> get me out. Alright, alright, I'll get you out. Don't worry, don't worry. I just gotta pop you out of my eye. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh look, it's a tiny Ben. Hello! <laughs> good to be here. Wow, it sure is a good thing that I brought my microphone for ants with me yeah 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 it's so small that it'll pick you up in your normal voice because that's how sound works here you go oh okay does this work is this better yeah, oh there we go yeah oh there we go oh great we ben here. somehow that was less convoluted than this movie we're doing uh ben volchok welcome back to the show inner space <laughs> hi hello good to be here that was an intro why Why did you pick this movie to guest on, Ben? Um, <laughs> this is the first question I've got to ask you. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, li- I like Joe Dante, and I haven't seen this... I hadn't seen this film, and I wanted to see it, because it was on my on my list of things to see, and I, I've liked what I've seen of Joe Dante up until then, and so I, I thought I'd give this one a crack. Excellent. And w- I guess we'll move right into first impressions. First impressions of the movie, Ben. Then we'll we'll go over to Zach. What did you think of the film? Zany mm. is if I if I can have a one word summary, uh, that word would be zany. In general, like it, you'd be hard pressed to find a Joe Dante film that is not zany. Um, this one uh, fits the bill. It's it's a fun 
PG family sci-fi comedy bit dark bit silly uh enjoyable stuff uh i thought it was garbage this movie no 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 it wasn't it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad fake out (laughs) goose and gas galore i don't know i had a problem with the plot the plot seemed to just it really wanted to go in a direction even when that direction made no sense at all but aside from that, I quite liked the movie. I thought the special effects were awesome. It was really cool to watch. It was just like weird things with the time frame oh. of like when when Jack is talking to people, what is happening with, is it Tucker? Is that the other guy's name? Uh, yep. Is he just sitting there waiting for him to finish his conversation? There was just, there was just things like that. Little, little things like that, which distracted me, which pulled me out of the movie. But I thought there was some fun goose and guffs, and I had a good time. There were a few things like that for me as well. Um, less mm. in terms of the, the time, more in terms of where Tuck was inside of Jack's body and how quickly he could get to other places for the plot to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I... Okay, I, I probably enjoyed it the, the most out of all of you then. I thought this was really good. I don't know. It reminded me of something like Short Circuit, which I used to love when I was five. And this reminded me of go. that. Weird 80s sci-fi. Uh, that's got a concept and it just runs with it. But it is probably a little bit too long. Perhaps. I mean, it's two hours long. Mm. For a film about miniaturization, it sure is big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, like, it reminded me a little bit of a James Cameron movie in that it just kind of keeps going. Once you hit the hour and a half mark, you're like, okay, no, no, the film's just... It's powering on. It's powering on, which isn't a bad thing. (laughs) I like long movies. Some of my favourite movies are over three hours long, but this was, I don't know, just a little bit too long, perhaps. Yeah, it it felt a little long to me. I think that the the start picking up speed and the end sort of putted out. Yeah. We'll go in depth about the movie in a second, but first things first, uh, we have signed a, a deal with ourselves in that every episode we must plug our Patreon. <laughs> so, Zach, we're, we're on Patreon. What sort of stuff do we do over there? Well, on Patreon, you can find episodes that you can't find anywhere else. Oh. Episodes such as Cyclone, which is about a hot blonde chick and a futuristic bike that doesn't matter it's about the battery in the bike that matters <laughs> and other such episodes at least two a month that you can get for a, a small donation to the podcast which helps us keep the lights on it does we were going to do fast and furious nine last week but uh, you couldn't go out and see it and i couldn't be bothered so <laughs> nice as soon as I have access to it that's not outside, I'll let you know. Exactly. Uh, but we will be doing a bonus episode this Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's this Wednesday on The Untouchables. So that'll be out. A good movie on Patreon. Link in the description. Uh, other options from this week. Zach, you picked this movie. I did, in fact, pick this movie. I believe there was only one other movie anyway, so it didn't actually matter. There was, yeah. Um, it was an interesting week of releases, because it was this one, which was quite a blockbustery sci-fi, and the other one was a blockbustery comedy called Adventures in Babysitting. Though uh, apparently it was called A Night on the Town here in Australia, uh, which is the first film from Chris Columbus, his directorial debut. He went on to do most of the Harry Potter's uh, and it's apparently really good. And I was going to watch it, but I ran out of time. So maybe Patreon one day will give it a watch. I've heard of it, yeah, as Chris Columbus's debut, but I haven't seen it. Supposedly quite a good comedy. 
Yeah, it's got like 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's on Disney+. Plus. But in a space, it was released July 1st, which means we're halfway through the year. That's crazy. Uh, it is directed by Joe Dante. We have done two of his films before on the podcast, that being Gremlins and Gremlins 2. He's done some other popular films uh, like Piranha. The Burbs is quite popular. Small Soldiers. Looney Tunes back in action. He's done heaps of good films. The Howling, Matinee. Yeah, Matinee is really great. That's one of my favorites of his, I think. Um, John Goodman plays this, I don't want to say gimmicky film director, but he plays like a a B-movie director, kind of modeled on William Castle, um, who was famous for kind of rigging cinemas with all of these schlocky gimmicks, like the seats would buzz, or like a skeleton would come flying out of the back of the room. And so John Goodman was modeled after one of these and he comes to this small town to promote his new film and he's promoting a a wacky uh, sci-fi horror called Mant about the uh, what happens if a man is bitten by a radioactive ant. (laughs) (laughs) Which alone is worth the price of admission. Um, Okay. So is this is this in the era of like Gremlins two when Joe Dante was kind of done with Hollywood and was just making funny films? Yeah. Well, it was. I mean, Gre- what Gremlins two was what nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety? Yeah, a few years after this one. One or also, and, and yeah, Matinee was, I believe, nineteen ninety two or three. Okay. Also, man, this makes me want to watch Gremlins again. Gremlins is a classic. They're so good. Well, there is that new TV show coming out at some point, so that's an excuse to is there rewatch them. Gremlins. Yeah on tv it's animated though so meh meh super excited for that it's interesting that they go for an an animated i know this is a tangent but i i think it's it's strange that they'd go for an animated gremlins because i think part of what added to the charm of gremlins and gremlins 2 was how like completely off the wall it managed to be while being live action like i think there was so there was something so cartoonish about the live action that if you go into a cartoon, that's almost like a cop out, right? It's like you can do anything, so what's the point? You know, whereas in live action, the fact that you could do anything is a challenge, mm. not a given. I think part of that is because like the Muppets hasn't been doing well recently. Any like puppet based stuff hasn't done well, so I can see why they mm. would. Yeah. Go that. Mm. But also just don't make it, if that's the case. Yeah. Mm. Make something else. Stop remaking everything. <laughs> I agree. For the cast, we've got Dennis Quaid as Tuck Pendleton. We saw him last year in Dreamscape with that yeah. Inception <laughs> ripoff. I mean, Inception came afterwards. So I don't know why I said <laughs> yeah, ripoff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ripoff. Yeah, yeah. That Inception ripoff, they stole pretty much everything from that. He's also been in The Right Stuff, Parent Trap, Dragon Heart, bunch of films. He's good. Yeah. yeah. The, the night. A Quaid brother. His smile is very creepy. He'd make a great Joker. He would have made a good Joker, actually. Yeah. It terrified me every time he did it. There's also a comedian and singer Martin Short in this as Jack Putter. We have seen him before on the podcast, but not on a regular episode. We saw him in a weird Christmas special we did when we watched all the Santa Claus sequels, and he was in the third one. Yep. Oh no. Okay. He's also been on like SNL. He's in films like Mars Attacks, Father of the Bride, Three Amigos. Uh, he hasn't done too many films actually, but he is quite good. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah, classic comic actor in, in like, zany. There's a reason he's in this. He's mm. zany. Um, he's done a lot of work with Steve Martin. Yeah, I think they've got a comedy special on Netflix, the two of them. It was great in the dream sequence. I really liked that one. <laughs> 
Meg Ryan. She plays Lydia. She's from Top Gun, but for some reason in my notes I wrote it down as Top Fun, which is not true. That film is not good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, is also in When Harry Met Sally and is quite good in Sleepless in Seattle as well. She's barely in the first half, but I liked uh, when she became more of a character because she, she's, she's quite good in this. Yeah, trivia. Uh, Meg Ryan met Dennis Quaid here and then later they got married. Whoa. Yes. And they had a kid and their kid's name is Jack, which is the name of Martin Short's character. Wow. <laughs> what a coincidence. No, no, no. Absolutely. They were like, we got to name him something after the character in this movie where we met, you know. Mm. Boom. You know what? Maybe. That's what I choose to believe. I guess we'll just have to ask them. And um, what a great coincidence. Mm. I've got Dennis Quaid on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we chose to do. Oh, thanks, Dennis Quaid. Bye. Thanks, Dennis Quaid, who has been slightly turned smaller and Australian. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm quite old now, so I just sound like this. That's uh-huh. Yeah, and I live in Australia for a while. Right. Excellent. Yay. Rest of the cast. Kevin McCarthy is the villain, Victor Scrimshaw, which is a great villain name. He was the, the lead in Invasion of the Body Snatchers back in the 50s. Woo! The original one, yeah. Uh, he's a good villain. But perhaps a better villain, in my mind, just because I'm a big fan of the actor, is Robert Picardo as the cowboy, who is the Doctor <laughs> yeah. in Star Trek Voyager. Also one of the villains in Gremlins 2. I think he hooks up with uh, Miss Piggy Gremlin. <laughs> yep. He's in. He's like a stock Joe Dante cast member. Um, he's great. What accent was he doing? <laughs> I, uh, he, I, you can't ask me. I have no idea. He was meant to be from Iran, I think. Every time I saw his character, all I could think of was that he was the Doctor from Star Trek doing an impersonation because he does that on Star Trek. <laughs> he does. And that's all I could see. Good actor, though. I love like, him. This whole movie is just like a holodeck story that he's in. He's the main character, but we're not following him for the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. A <laughs> couple final cast members in supporting roles. It's, there is Vernon Wells as Mr. Igor, the uh, robot uh-huh. hand guy. He's from Mad Max 2. He's yeah, he's Australian. He's born in Victoria. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's uh, been in a lot of Australian films, um, but also been in a few few American films, including he also played the villain in this not great post-apocalyptic film called Circuitry Man. What? <laughs> he, he played the villain Plughead, <laughs> if you want to... Okay. I'll look that out. It's not a it's not a great film, but he's really good in it. Ah, oh, there you go. And finally, there is one classic Joe Dante um, actor in this in the role of a taxi driver. I think it's uh-huh. Dick Miller, mm. who was the neighbor in in the Gremlins movies as well. He was Mr. Futterman. Uh, the reception and the budget for this film is quite interesting because it's got eighty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. Critics really liked it at the time. Uh, very strong reviews from pretty much all major critics. But the audience score. Only 65%, which is the same across all platforms. It's 6.8 on IMDb, 66 on Metacritic, 3.4 out of 5 on IMDb. You mean Letterboxd. On on Letterboxd, you're right. A lot of audiences, yeah, just didn't love it. It was very much a genre Mm. film or a film for fans of Joe Dante. And it very quickly slipped into VHS cult classic sort of 
sort of space after its theatrical run, um, which does yeah lead into to the budget, which is twenty seven million. Quite an expensive movie, obviously. There's a lot of effects in this film. Uh, what do you both think it made in America? Considering yeah, that audiences didn't really warm to this one. What do you think it made, Zach? Yeah, well, it it, it definitely cost a pretty penny, and it shows. Like they got really good effects. I feel for this um, movie. The whole, like, we see the outside of the heart beating, the eardrum sort of mm. stuff. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. That's that's better than some films I've seen nowadays, you know? I'm going to guess, I'm going to go with a, like, 67, I'm feeling. 67. 67. All right, interesting. Well, I um, I looked at the, the Wikipedia page for this <sighs> nice. before before recording. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain because otherwise it would no, be no no unfair. no no you gotta guess guess anyway no 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 you're doing your research is an advantage <laughs> yeah I would say um box office uh forty two million dollars worldwide rentals um citation two wow mm. what <laughs> right spot on forty two million Whoa. wow how did you get that that's crazy you're on the money well it made more than it spent so that's a win i mean it is it also made more than adventures in babysitting which made like 34 but that was quite cheap comparatively to to this movie so yeah uh predator made like 100 million right so people were probably Mm. just still going to go see that over and over again now is the part where i've got the list of taglines unlike last week this film did have a whole bunch of taglines according to imdb I'm going to go through them. You're both going to pick your favorite, but also want your thoughts on each one as we go through them. All right. Tagline number one, this summer, take a trip you'll never forget. Mm. Oh, I, I don't love it because it, it's not uh, specific enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's tantalizing. It's, uh, you know, suggestive of something. It's in, intriguing, but I, it's not, uh, it's not specific enough to this film. Mm. So I'm going to go with thumbs down. Yeah, I'll go with a thumbs down as well because because <laughs> I don't know what that means. Like uh, for the film, like I think is this a holiday film? Is this a thing? I don't know what's happening. Mm. It's enticing, but I don't know what's happening. Well, the, the one after this definitely lets you know a little bit more. It is uh, within twenty four hours, he will experience an amazing adventure and become twice the man. <laughs> Oh, that's so close to oh. say to being what this film is about. So close. Uh, I hate that. That was stupid. Big thumbs down. Big one. Oh wow! Big thumbs one. down. From if they if they enlarged one of them, like made them larger <laughs> at any point, I would have given that ten out of ten. But only shrinking is happening. Yeah. The next one is a huge dose of comedy in one big gulp. No, again, the whole point of this is that he goes small. Why is that? Who? Did people read this? Did someone say, oh, space, big. Okay, there's something about a man. Okay, we gotta get, we got 24 hours to come up with a tag. This would, it's about being small. Yeah, yeah, one small gulp. I mean, the big, he didn't even, it wasn't even a gulp. It was an injection. Mm. Well, you could say, you could say the tongue. That was the gulp. I mean, that came later, though. That was. Yeah, yeah. But at least it'd be something, right? There's two more to go. An adventure of incredible proportions. Oh, okay. Again, alluding 
To what proportions? Sure. At least that could be small. I, I mean, was it going to be a... It was... Okay, my que- my question is, was it meant to be a surprise that he's shrunk? They don't really tell you what's happening before he gets shrunk. So maybe. Yeah. But the poster of it is him really small. <laughs> I mean, I like this I like this one better. Because this, this one has, like, of epic proportions. We don't know... We think big, but it actually means small. So it's yeah. kind of, yeah, you know, so it's kind of, it's got a little bit there. I'll give it a, I'll give it a wavy hand to a thumbs up. Yeah, I, I won't put my, I don't, I don't agree. Yeah, no thumb down, no thumb up. The last one is, inside Jack Putter, there's a hero trying to get out. Oh, that's so clever. I don't mind that one. That's the best one of the lot. Yeah, that was smart. There's a double meaning in that because he's trying to, you know, have some character development. There's literally a man inside of him trying to get out. <laughs> that was smart. I like it. I, I, I like that one a lot. I agree. That's the best one. That's absolutely the best one. All right. And with that, ooh, we finally get into the synopsis review. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And we open into a nice... Sort of serene sci-fi, some sort of rocks or something, and then of course it zooms out, and it's just it's just a glass with ice in it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I liked this title sequence. I I thought it was really inventive, um, mm. atmospheric. Gets you into that sci-fi mood. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. And it and it's it immediately you're sort of where is this? What is this? It's like quite fantastic. And then it zooms out and it's just a party. Here's a drink from a party. Mm. And it it sort of sets that tone for like, oh, we've got this fantastic sci-fi and also this random comedy stuff. Because immediately in the kitchen area, there's a commotion. While I believe some sort of hero speech is going on and a man comes stumbling out of the kitchens complaining that he cannot find the toilet. Yes, Dennis Dennis Quaid, very drunk and making a big mm. scene. So much so, yeah, that Meg Ryan has to take him home. I'd be like, you, you, you go to sleep, you drunkard. Ah, uh, he does, he does, he does say he alludes to the fact that they're flying a new ship and that he was a pilot. That's important for the plot that he's a pilot, mm-hmm. and also that he's like decorated. He's a decorated pilot. Yes, and he has a a, a load of random tech in his house just lying around there's a lot of a uh, roboted a uh, roboted motorized robot arms in this in this movie and he's got one in his house yeah which confused me because he's not a scientist he doesn't actually like invent things or do anything he just so happens to have some of the tech from the scientist i thought when i saw this stuff that he was going to be like a scientist somewhat or doing some of the science and stuff no He's just your your pilot dude flying the thing. He, d- he he doesn't get involved with any of the technology. He just has a lot of it. Did he steal this? <laughs> he's an enthusiast. I I I think he's testing. He's like a he, he tests this stuff out. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because he's clearly like later on, he's shown to be pally with some science people. Yeah, he's quite he's quite smart, as we know. Like he's he's supposed to be some of the best, you know. Yeah, he's like one of the best. He's smart, but he doesn't play by the rules. He doesn't like authority, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> doesn't play mm. by the rules. <laughs> yeah, he um, he puts on some seductory music. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an important moment, guys. Remember this because that music will come in handy later. The music um, is important, which I liked that the song 
uh, stayed throughout the entire film. And also, Chekhov's yeah, song. Chekhov's song. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> On the mantelpiece. But it is an important moment as well because this does lead to a uh, to a plot moment, a moment that's quite important later on in the movie because mm-hmm. uh, she gets pregnant. That again, Chekhov's fetus. <laughs> yeah, Chekhov's <laughs> embryo. Chekhov's fetus. Sorry, no, wait, no, I got it, I got it. Chekhov's cum. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, thanks for sharing. And podcast. <laughs> and podcast. Yep. Now, wait. So, is the movie saying that the baby was conceived then? I mean, by movie logic. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I didn't get that until you mentioned it now, but I think, I think you're right. Because there's a two-month time gap. I don't know how babies grow, but I feel like two months is probably when they'd start looking like how we saw the baby looking. <laughs> I completely forgot about the two-month gap. Man, they had a huge break. Mm. Anyway, just like them, we should be moving on as she moves on from her recent boyfriend out of the house. Hey. He tries uh, He tries to uh, convince her to stay. It's like, no, please stay. But she, uh, she takes a cab. Mm. I don't know why he tried to convince her to stay because he stubbed his toe. Oh, it's just so that it's just so that he could get the line in later, which was I didn't actually hurt my toe, I hurt my heart. A <laughs> Chekhov's toe. Chekhov's excuse. <laughs> Chekhov's yeah, excuse. yeah, yeah. Oh jeez. But yeah, two months later we see Martin Short at the doctor. Uh he is explaining this recurring dream that he's been having, Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so he has this dream that like he starts scanning all these items and they <laughs> they start they turn up with the wrong price like ridiculously overinflated prices uh and then the person that he's serving gets really impatient and then uh, the manager comes over and it's really stressful and then the customer pulls out a gun from her purse mm. yeah and at that point he wakes up he talks about this dream and the doctor's like hey man you've just been really stressed you need to go on a holiday you need to take a break <laughs> mm. you just need to calm down you need to stop using hairspray because you're allergic to that. Oh, yeah. That's Chekhov's hairspray. <laughs> Chekhov's hairspray. There was a lot of setup. A lot of foreshadowing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> we cut to the project. They don't tell you what this uh, project is or what's happening at all. You just see Dennis Quaid getting into, like, a pod as they as they prepare. Kissing and perusing with all the women on the way in. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah, it's quite a lengthy sequence, quite procedural, as they go through all the checks and all the things, make sure everything's working before they eventually shrink him down. Whee! Now, now, there's there's two things I want to point out here. One, they have that um, claw machine <laughs> to put in the little plug, and it's great at all. Even the bad guys have that. Why wasn't it already plugged in, is my first question. Second off, why do they keep using this claw machine? Because I I thought they had to, like, for precise movement. But literally later on in the last scene, someone just grabs it and shoves it in the socket. Yeah, without using the claw machine. And it works perfectly fine. So, uh, anyway. Because it's the 80s and, yeah. 
The second thing was that all the scientists were way too close to this thing that was moving way too quickly. <laughs> yeah, to shrink him down, he's got to spin around really fast. Like going down a drain. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it makes perfect logical sense. <laughs> but the scientists were way too close, I feel. If, if Like, what if their calculations was off? What if he was a little to the left on the centrifuge and then flew out sideways? They would have taken half the scientists out. But they're scientists. <laughs> ah, sorry, you've explained everything, Ben. Yeah, you're welcome. You, yeah, oh. you've you've got the movie there. Next, next point. Well, next point is that uh, while this shrinking down is taking place, as he's getting shrunk down and put inside of this syringe, which is, which is very important, while that's happening, we see these uh, these totally not suspicious at all guys rock up to the front desk of the top secret lab. One of them looks like Sigourney Weaver, and the whole time I was like, oh, it's just discount Sigourney Weaver in this movie. She was good. And they proceed to then uh, force their way into the laboratory at gunpoint and, uh, uh-huh. and take over the project. They, they use knockout gas that, like, instantly works. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to move on. Yeah, they're scientists. Science. Yeah, sorry, like... science. I forgot. <laughs> scientists. They are scientists. That, but yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a random doctor takes the <laughs> syringe that Dennis Quaid is inside of and he bolts mm-hmm. away. We get a really solid chase where he's on a push bike being chased by a car. It was very well filmed. Mm. We, have, we have the main bad guy, Hitman, mm-hmm. with his fake arm. We don't see it's fake yet. Oh, yeah, Vernon Wells. When do we first see it? I think it's when uh, the Doctor reaches the mall, runs into mm. the mall, and and hides behind something, and then and then the bad guy uses one of his fingers, which is a gun, to shoot something. Mm. I noticed before he went into the mall that he adjusted his glove, and then his hand didn't move when he was adjusting the glove, and then he moved and the hand didn't move, and I was like, oh, is that a fake arm? And it was so. Mm. It was. It was sort of like it was Chekhov's hand. Chekhov's handgun. Um, and he shoots the scientist, which is a bit of a bummer. He does. And so, Ben, what does the scientist have to do? The scientist has to make sure that the bad guys don't get the syringe. So, what do you do? You shove it into the first person that you come across, who happens <laughs> to be Jack. Jack Martin Short <laughs> Jack 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 Who's just been to a travel agency Yeah, not what I would have done, personally <laughs> I mean, what would you have done, Zach? Possibly just, you know, hid the syringe, perhaps, or... Uh, Where? Uh, in a pocket uh, Where? You, He would have been searched Searched by who? The bad guy? Because he's surrounded by civilians instantly. No, absolutely not. He would have found it. Yeah, you're right. You know what? He's a, he, he is a scientist. He probably just knows better <laughs> That's than right. Me. He's a scientist. He calculated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He calculated that this one random person would be able to take care of him. Yeah, and then Martin Short's like, well, that was a bit weird. Guy stuck a thing in my bum. I'm going to go to work. I don't know about you, but I'd be a bit more concerned with when someone would stab me in the bum with a needle. I would go back to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've just been 
injected with some strange fluid by a random person who then died. <laughs> yeah. um, I would be very concerned as to what he injected me with if he then just went and died. But I guess he's a he's a he's a solid worker. He's got to go to work. So um, yep. he, he goes to work. And this leads to a very funny sequence where we get a reenactment of his dream. Chekhov's dream. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Um, uh, complete with uh, the uh, cash register going haywire because inside mm. him right now, Tucker is trying to communicate with the lab. So he keeps activating this magnetic thing. An electromagnetic booster. Yes, I wrote down exactly what it was because I, I wanted to check the science on it and then I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, but how how does this work? How How is uh, he that small able to affect... Oh, sorry, yes. Scientists! I forgot. Scientists. I forgot there was scientists. In You're asking film. a lot of questions for a Star Trek fan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in Star Trek, they make up gobbledygook... To explain shit. They're like, this happened. This is the gobbledygook that caused it. I'm like, well, that gobbledygook caused it. I guess it makes sense. I just need one scientist to explain some gobbledygook to me, all right? <laughs> I think they did, didn't they? I don't know. They don't explain a uh, lot of stuff in this movie. I mean, who knows? Who cares? It's <laughs> like... It, you don't need to know why you can be shrunk to just no, be no, no, like... No, 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 that bit, that bit I'm totally on board with. Okay, so what are you not on board with? The magnet, the super <laughs> magnet thing, which allows him to interfere with the cash register to blow up a television later on. He just blows it up. Wait, oh, so he was... I didn't. I totally missed that he was using the magnets to interfere with the cash yeah. register. Yeah, that's, that's how the cash register was going haywire because he kept activating the booster. Well, then what explanation do you need, Zach? The explanation is magnets. <laughs> that, 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 that's, you're right. Sorry, yeah. I got so confused. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stop and think for like a second. Oh my god. <laughs> no wonder you didn't like this film. I never said I didn't like it. I never said it was bad. I never said I didn't like it. I was just saying there was a couple of things that took me out a little bit. But now yeah. that you've explained that it's magnets, it makes way yeah. more sense to me. Great. Fantastic. My job here is done. <laughs> magnets. How do they work? Magnets. Oh How my god. It's work? 2015 again. <laughs> Uh, oh dear the rest of the dream plays out uh, she pulls out a gun but it's actually just a lighter which uh-huh. is mm-hmm. great Chekhov's gun Chekhov's lighter <laughs> Chekhov's lighter there's also the co-worker that he's trying to go out with she's oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot in this movie that for the sake of the length of the episode we're just gonna skip over but she's in this film she's alright yeah well she's she's important because she's part of his character development she is because he's like mm. he's quite into her and she's not into him she's like into everyone else but him but then like later on towards the end this becomes important so you could say it's Chekhov's character development (laughs) that's right anyway he's freaking out so he's sent back home but he actually goes to the doctor or something yep yeah he goes to the doctor but while he's heading to the doctor Quaid enters his bloodstream which looked really good mmm I'm I'm a bit concerned about the little holes he's making in the sides of all his bloodstreams, but yeah, look, <laughs> they, 
They were very small comparatively. <laughs> so I guess maybe that they just are able to heal up. Microscopic. Yeah, I thought that as well, but... Science. Science. Uh, obviously, at the time, he thinks he's in a rabbit, so maybe they're not so concerned with murdering this rabbit. Mm. But as, as I said, it looks really good earlier. The effects for this movie, especially when he's in the body, mm. like the fat cells and other things, really good. Really good. I mean, I'm pretty sure it won Best Visual Effects at the Oscars, so, well, well-deserved. Yeah. The one thing I actually... One of my big criticisms for this film was that it didn't do enough of this. So, because this film was based on a 1966 film called Fantastic Voyage, directed by Richard Fleischer, um, who was, like, known for doing lots of adventure films. He made things from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea to Soylent Green to Conan the Barbarian. Anyway, he directed this film, Fantastic Voyage, which, similar premise, um, this group of scientists are shrunk down in a spaceship to go inside a person's body to complete uh, like a life-saving medical procedure. And in that film, a lot of the action takes place inside of the body and they're sort of like traveling through the various, you know, veins and, and orifices and whatever. And that was like, there was a lot of real interesting imaginative visual splendor that you could do with trying to figure out how you represent the inside of the body. But with this film, like the the times they did it were really good. Like there's bits later on with, you know, like an ulcer and stomach acid, um, which was pretty fun. But I feel like this film really could have used a lot more of that inner body exploration because it, it, it was like he was stuck in the same position for about 80% of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like, oh, I need to go from here to here to here to here. And then it would just cut away and he's there. Yeah. yeah. We don't get to see the journey. How did he get to the ear from wherever, from the buttocks or whatever he was, mm. you know? Well, how was that journey? Did he have to fight off a blood cell, you know? Fight off a white blood cell, you know? That would have been cool. Mm. Yeah, you're right. That 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 is something. Yeah. yeah. And Fantastic Voyage is quite good as well. I saw it when I was quite young, but I enjoyed it a lot. I would recommend it to people who haven't seen it. It's pretty good, yeah. The other thing, though, like, with that, though, I do agree with that, but also this film is so long already. <laughs> mm. It is long, but, like, they could have replaced bits, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, there was a lot of bits they could have replaced. Like, the entire cowboy. <laughs> no. No, no. That was, no. No, keep the cowboy. <laughs> that was good stuff. I know that most of the bad reviews said that you should go see the other film. Yeah, okay. They liked the other film a lot more. They're different. They're different films. Fantastic Voyage was like a, a, a full-on like sci-fi adventure. This is a comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, where like you've got these sci-fi fans coming in here and they're like, what's with all this... What's with all these laughs and comedy? Ugh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's kind of like my thing as well, because I'm like, I remember the episode of Magic School Bus where they went inside a body. <laughs> that was more educational. Where was the edumatainment in this movie? There wasn't <laughs> yeah, any. Disappointing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to learn about the esophagus, and we had Ooh. none of that. Why was there no curly-haired, red-headed <laughs> teacher with fantastic dresses? Exactly. What? Mm. what? This... Oh my god! There was there wasn't even a bus in this movie. <laughs> when when are they going to make a Magic School Bus live action movie? Because I feel like that's <laughs> well it. overdue. Oh uh, it's I think that yeah. Don't say it out loud because it'll happen. Oh, true. <laughs>
It's too late. Oh, it's no. already been said. Oh, God. Oh, dear. All right, back to the plot of the movie. <laughs> I winced when Quaid reaches the eye stem. Oh, yeah. He reaches the eye stem Ooh. of Martin Short and plugs in. I actually felt that. I was like, oh, it's painful. It has, like, these big spikes on this camera that he shoots into the back of the eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. That was a bit visceral. I liked the other, the, the eyeball scenery though, where he attaches to the eye stem and you can see this big, weird, blubbery thing over here. It's like, where is he? What is he doing? And then we see that he's <laughs> in the eyeball. I'm like, ah, oh, I, like again, where's more of that? The eye of the beholder. No. Well, the eye gets pretty fucking sore for this beholder because he gets shot in the back of it. Yeah, he plugs in. He can see through Mutton Short's eyes now and he can see that he's inside of a man. And he says the line, the classic line, really, I'm in a man. I'm in a strange man, son of a bitch. I'm in a man surrounded by strangers in a strange room. (laughs) So he goes to the doctor probably for the, like... I presume the fifth time today. <laughs> and um, he he goes into an elevator mm. where where um, we see Taka. He goes into the eardrum, which uh, looks like a big curled up uh, dog turd. I wrote that down. I thought it looked like a harp, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. What? No, 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 no. That's the, uh, the eardrum itself. I meant like the, the outside of it when oh, it zooms out. Yeah, yeah. He attaches some weird device to it. That was also painful to watch. He starts trying to communicate it. But the question is, what would they try to do to the rabbit with this? <laughs> yeah, why Why does he have this technology in a ship where he was trying to communicate with an animal? I mean, he was being injected into a rabbit as a test to later on be injected into a human, right? So right. Yeah, the yeah, technology yeah. would still be there. Okay. It's just they never explained that. They just couldn't be bothered taking it out, I guess. It's a prototype. <laughs> okay, right. Sorry. Sorry. Science. I, I keep questioning. Come on. Science. Science. Yes, yeah, sorry. Science. My bad. My bad. So sorry. So sorry. My bad. <laughs> so sorry. So he starts to talk to him in the elevator, which is very funny, because uh, he's like, oh, I'm hearing voices. And, uh, Did anyone hear that? Did you say something? And he eventually gets to the doctor's office, and he's like, I'm possessed, I'm possessed, someone's talking to me, I'm possessed, which is great. And the doctor was like, uh, technically, you're not possessed. Because demons use you as a conduit to talk to other people. Yes. yes. <laughs> they don't talk directly to you. That's right. Yeah, which is great. Which I, I, thought, I thought the doctor was brilliant there, see? He, he explained it to me. I understood why he wasn't possessed. <laughs> right, okay, so you we know? can now say safely say that Zach only likes things when he doesn't have to do any thinking about it, when it's handed to him on a Absolutely. silver platter. When it, I, need, I need American films where they ham-fist the joke in front of you so that even the lowest low can understand the joke. <laughs> I hate to tell you That's... this, Zach, this is an American film. My God. And they didn't ham-fist everything for me to understand perfectly? Nope. Unbelievable. But anyway, the doctor's like, you're experiencing hysteria. So Michael... Michael? Martin Michael Sheen. Michael Short. Martin Short goes home to watch TV. Martin Sheen. (laughs) Yes. Martin Short turns into Martin Sheen. Yes. And goes... (laughs) Well, he could have. And and Randy... uh, Sorry, Dennis Quaid is injected into his... Uh, into his scrotum to prevent Charlie Sheen from being born. <laughs> and we're all like, yay! No, two and a half men. <laughs> Except this is one and a tenth man. Oh, no. As I said before. <laughs> oh, no. Tenth in a one man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tenth in a one man. 
So there's a delivery guy at the door. <laughs> no. Um, oh, we have this. We have the scene where uh, he talks to Tucker. Jack talks to Tucker, and he, you know, he explains that he is a pilot that's part of a test program that's inside of him. Again, mm. the like while yes, this film isn't as much of a sci-fi adventure as you know perhaps we would have liked. It is still a very funny comedy. Yeah, it's very fun. Mm. Good stuff. I think I think that's the main problem I had with this film. If it was more sci-fi than it was more comedy, I think I would have liked it more. Yeah. But it was more focused on the comedy. I would have preferred the sci-fi sure. rather than the comedy. That, 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 that's just my preference. That's just my preference. Anyway, that's where we get the knock at the door. This is the delivery. Yay. Delivery guy, played by Archie Hahn, who was also a Joe Dante mainstay in most of his oh. films. I know Archie Hahn... Um, from uh, most infamously he was on the first series of the british whose line is it anyway right and there was a there was a controversy because he brought props oh like he brought i think it was like some castanets even like on the recorded episode you have the host clive anderson being like this is meant to be improv you're meant to not pre-prepare a bit buddy um, and oh. he was, he did like two episodes of the show and was never, never allowed back. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's yeah. crazy. He's an undercover bad guy, uh, disguised as a mailman who's trying, yeah, to grab Martin. Martin? Short? Oh man, now I'm second guessing. I'm just going to say short. Just Jack. Jack. It's just Jack. Martin Jack's Short. The character name. Uh, short. Short Mark. Short Jack. Short Jack. So Short Jack has to run away from whose line is it anyway, dude? Yes. And and that causes yeah. the bloodstream to move fast because the pulse is up and heart things and science. So... I, yeah, Tucker's like, hey, I, I have a gut feeling he's a bad guy. Because the blood is pumping so hard, Dennis Quaid in the ship is moving towards the heart. And if he enters the heart, that means that means cardiac arrest. So he, he's got to latch himself onto the side of the blood vein science to stop entering the heart. I think I did that scene justice. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what happened. Yeah, so he goes to the lab... Nothing really happens here aside from letting the doctors know what's happened. They talk about how the fact that they can't actually get Tucker out and he's going to suffocate in like nine hours or something. Yeah, he's got until 9am in the morning to get out before the air runs out. Yeah. And Mm. they need two chips to bring him back and the bad guys stole the reversal chip. Oh yeah, because there's like the embiggening chip. You need the embiggening chip. They got the shrink chip, but that's that's useless. Mm. Like, you you don't want to shrink it more. It plays by Ant Man rules, which I quite liked. How like one makes you big, one makes you small. Alice in Wonderland rules as well. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. 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 There is an Alice in Wonderland reference that's quite oh, I... sloppily. Oh, that's right. <laughs> put at the end of the movie. Later on, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. It made me mad. Can't explain that one with magnets. <laughs> That's just coding. Yeah. Uh, Tucker is like, Jack, you got to go to my place and grab my jacket, grab my sick leather jacket, grab the keys to my car, and then we're going to go see Meg Ryan. Grab my booze, because you're going to get super drunk. Oh, yeah, well. that happens as well. That was a very funny <laughs> moment where Tucker's like, I need to get drunk, <laughs> Jack. Oh, yeah. Take a swig of some rum, I think it is, and so... He uh he has a drink and then and then Tucker catches it as it goes down the throat. Um, that was cute. That was cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he sticks out a flask and he like scoops up 
some of the alcohol as it pours mm. pours down. That was very. It was good. Mm, mm. And then they immediately go driving. Yes, because <laughs> it's the eighties. But he's fine because he slapped himself a couple of times. That cures you up. So they go to uh, Tucker's girlfriend's workplace. Yeah, they go to Meg Ryan's workplace and she immediately recognizes the car and the jacket. And it's like, what are you doing? Excuse me, this is, uh, this is the jacket and car of someone much more confident than you. <laughs> yeah, who the hell are you? I'm sure there isn't a logical explanation. I'm sure you've just stolen it and then driven past my work and then honked at me and then stopped. For no reason. And somehow know my name as well, because he calls her by name. <laughs> all right, Meg Ryan, listen up. It's me, Martin Short, and I'm telling you the explanation for all of this is magnets. <laughs> oh, magnets. All right, follow me. We're going to go stalk this cowboy guy. He's one of the better characters of this film. <laughs> the cowboy. Yeah, so she's tracking the cowboy who is a famous fence that they haven't been able to catch. Just can't believe you can't catch a fence. It just stands in the middle of a backyard. Anyway. Uh, yeah. um, Chekhov's joke. Chekhov's joke. <laughs> Chekhov's setup. Chekhov's punchline. Wait, no, wouldn't that then mean that every setup is just a Chekhov's punchline? Yes, correct. Uh, so, no, I, I, it, I feel like, no, so... Chekhov's setups are specifically setups that are, that are introduced in the first act yes. and the way the payoff yeah. is in the is in the third act. We should write a play where the entire first 40 minutes <laughs> is just random setups to jokes and then they, <laughs> yeah. there's no punchlines until the final 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. you, you just pick up random objects and it's like, look at this apple! <laughs> and then you place it down and you move on. And then only in the last act it's like, you get hit by an apple or yeah. something. Like, there's know? no jokes for the first 40 minutes. Just setup. Just pure setup. Yeah. And then you move on to the next subject. Hey, here's a toaster, audience. That sounds like a lot of fun. Melbourne Fringe 2023. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Melbourne Fringe 2022 is the setup show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> The entire show is just setup. It doesn't make any sense until yeah. you see the show next year. The second one, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a swing. <laughs> that, that's a that's a neat slapper if I've ever heard. That of. is a oh oh boy. Anyway, yeah, the plot. <laughs> trying to get onto the plot <laughs> of this film. This is, <laughs> this is a long episode. Oh boy. Okay. Uh huh. Uh, well, look, we're around halfway through. We are. They 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 were try they were they went to the restaurant, and at the restaurant where they're talking about what the deal is, why he's wearing Tucker's jacket, then Big Bad. Uh, one hand comes in and abducts him and shoves him in the back of a meat truck. Yes. Just before he gets abducted, though, not to go back even further, there is a moment where he goes to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And he talks to Dennis Quaid in his head while looking down, and the other dude in the bathroom is like, stop talking to, to your dick. <laughs> I believe the direct quote is, play with it, pal, but don't talk to it. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, he gets abducted. He gets abducted by Scrimshaw and put in the back of a of a of a meat truck. Mm. Mm. Oh, and and the uh, guy driving it, our favorite Terminator, 
um, he puts on headphones for no particular reason in this scene. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that he can be unaware of what's going on. Chekhov's headphones, you know? It's mm. good. Chekhov's headphones. That's not... Uh, we're, 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 I feel like <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're abusing the term Chekhov's at the moment. Che- it's not... Like, because the, the payoff for this is literally, like, round the corner. That's pushing it. Speaking of, thank you so much there, though, for that Chekhov segue, because speaking of around the corner... Uh. <laughs> Uh, he's going to open up the back of the truck and then jump into Meg Ryan's car and it looked really good and a motorcycle drives underneath his legs at one point and it looked dangerous. That's, the, that chase scene was really good, yeah. They escape the bad guy's clutches and they're like, all right, we need to figure things out, stuff and things. We're going to go to the hotel where the cowboy is staying at and we're going to we're, 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 we're gonna track the the cowboy, which includes going to a club which is where Martin Short runs into that girl from his work again, and uh, character development happens. Yeah, because at the nightclub, the yeah, the 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 love interest was there. She's like, I am interested in everyone, but like, but you. But now I'm interested in you because you're not interested in me. Yeah, yeah. Then they go back to the hotel. Uh, are you ready for some more science, Zach? No, 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 no. I want to. I want to stay just before that. He bursts into the hotel room. And uh, Cowboy's there like, oh, hey, Jack, why no need to knock? Just come in. Let's go. <laughs> you know, Cowboy's standing there in his underpants. He's willing to go. All right, Jack's joining in on the fun. Let's go. <laughs> you know? I like Cowboy. I like the Cowboy a lot. Um, he gets knocked out. Mm. Martin Short just knocks him out. And then through the power of <laughs> magnets, Dennis Quaid manipulates Martin Short's face to look exactly like the cowboy. And the special effects for this are incredible. They're pretty good. They're boingy. Oh, man. Why? (laughs) Magnets. Magics. Science. Magnets. Science. Science. Magnets. Everything makes sense. Magnets. Magnets. So So now we have a man inside of another man pretending to be a different man. Oh, my God. What the fuck is happening in this film? What? They've done this because the cowboy was going to go to Scrimshaw and Mm -hmm. buy the chip that they need off Scrimshaw, the chip Mm -hmm. that they stole from the lab. This wasn't the bit that I had the most problem with. The most problem with was that the girl just accepts this. Is like, oh yeah, nope, your face is changed into a completely different face. (laughs) Follow me, let's go. I'm like, what? What? Uh, but what happens at this meeting, Ben? Well, uh, so initially, everything's chill. Cowboys sitting down. They start grilling him about why he kind of st- is a little bit off. Mm. And mm. Martin Short tries to bluff his way out. But it's not Martin Short because it's the actor. It's the uh, well. It's anyway. I'm, I'm confusing <sighs> myself now. No, Martin Short is because it's it is still Martin Short. He's pretending to be the cowboy. Uh, the ca- well, uh, no, it's Robert Picardo though. Yeah, it's Robert Picardo. No, but Robert Picardo is not the, bluffing. It's it's Martin Short's character. Okay, yes. let's say Jack. Yes, Jack is bluffing. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. You're, you're using the actor's name for the character. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're it's okay. Be replaced for the, se- the for the for the sake of for the sake of for the sake of clarity. We have literally lost the plot of the movie in this space. Oh, God. This movie. Jack, 
bluffs his way out of the questions that are being thrown at him in order to try and prove he, that he's actually who he's pretending to be. <laughs> and then eventually they're like, okay, we're going to, we, we know that the cowboy has an exceptional tolerance for pain. So we're going to pour some fucking chemical on you and see if you don't uh, react. Tears. Oh god! And he reacts by his face reversing. Well, no, because so the science behind this, the adrenaline goes so high that it decalibrates the face. Yes. Mechanism. Mm. Yes. And it it turns into like a monster from a B movie. He has his face like wibbly wobbly facey wacy stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He turns into the thing for a second. Yeah. His face, like, contorts. Kind of. It's pretty cool for that one scene that they did all this, like, face makeup stuff where his face is jigging out. It was fun. Very terrifying. Then they're locked up. Jack and Meg Ryan's character, whose name I have forgotten, they are locked up. And when they're locked up, they smooch. They kiss a little bit. And, you know, when that happens, there's saliva and things. And it just so happens that Dennis Quaid was in the mouth region and uh, and he and he swaps over. He swaps bodies. Yes. Also, for the record, Meg Ryan's character is called Lydia. Lydia. Lydia or Lydia. And the other one's called Jack, no matter which character or actor's playing him at the time. <laughs> yep. It, it's so that the movie can have them snog. And have him swap over bodies and discover that he's a dad. Yes. Which is just things things that I never thought would be a plot in a movie. That's the whole important part of this is that while he's in Meg Ryan, he swims down to the womb and sees a baby. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> I'm going to be a dad. I am, I am. I can see my fetus baby right now, right now, right now. That's a weird moment, Kate. Okay. It is it is a bit weird to think about because he's seeing his his baby that's like two months old mm. as well. He's just like next to it. It's a weird that's a weird concept to be honest. I feel. <laughs> and also, if they did do a sequel, which they don't, but if they did do a sequel to this movie, that could have been like a fun sort of plot thing. What? He's got to go inside of the kid uh, who's inside of the mum before the pregnancy. Honey, I shrunk the... Wait. Uh, so, honey, I shrunk myself to get inside of my kids. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like feel like this is all very problematic. Yeah, maybe we not. We need to move on. Yeah, to, just... to, I, I like the idea maybe that the kid has a tumour or something and maybe I, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, like a medical thing, like to help out with yeah. the Like with in the, the original, like in Fantastic Voyage, how it was a medical thing. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, it's yeah. like Fantastic Voyage squared it's 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 going another layer deeper <laughs> another layer deep to help with the birth of the child or something but mm. again i feel like we should move on to the fact that jack has been strapped into the lab i am not looking forward to editing this episode <laughs> <laughs> um so jack has been strapped into the lab because the bad guys have him in a, a much better looking lab, by the way. Their lab, much more professional. It's the most sci-fi looking lab we've seen all year. Better sci-fi, lots of white, 
Um, not a lot of useless papers lying around, circuitries or anything. Mm. It's very clean, very professional. Slick. Um, slick shit. Yeah, slick. Yeah, yeah, very slick. I wrote down sleek in my notes, actually, yeah. Sleek lab. It's clinical. Clinical. Mm. Their plan is to shrink Terminator down in this combat deep-sea diving mech suit. Yeah. To shrink him down, put him inside of Jack so that he can go to Tucker's ship and grab the chip that they need mm. to have control over miniaturization and enlargements. But little do they know, he's not even in Jack at the time. Don't worry, we'll fix that later. Yeah, I was kind of hoping more would come from him being inside and the fighting that happens. Mm. The scene that we gets cool, but it's quite short when yeah. they eventually fight, which we'll get to. But I was kind of hoping for more, for more of that. We don't have a like just a cut to the the Terminator like in there driving around like where the. Where the hell is the other guy? That would have been funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. I would have loved that. Like, he's just like, I don't detect any other power signs down here. Zero magnets. What the hell is going mm. on? <laughs> but what happens is Meg Ryan, she's suddenly like, all right, I need to get us out of this scenario. So she breaks free. She grabs a gun from a guard and she tells all of the lab baddies to get inside of the miniaturization machine where they are then miniaturized not to ant size, but to toddler size. Yeah, like, ha ha yeah, waist height. Yes, through pure bumbling button pressing as well, might I yes. add. Well, they're not scientists. Nope, they're, they're not scientists. They don't know how magic works. So mm. they just bumble around and somehow manage to get the chip out of the computer, as well as shrink the bad guys to toddler size and as they're escaping the lab quaid plays that song from the start of the movie on a cassette tape player mm. that he plugs into the speakers of the thing <laughs> and meg ryan hears it and is like he's inside of me so they kiss again that's a that's a movie thing where you have something set up at the start and then there's a payoff at the end i can't remember check of song on. <laughs> Chekhov song. Oh, Chekhov. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Chekhov. So Lydia realises he's in her, and so she's like, ah, oh, the solution to this. I'll kiss you again. We'll get him to the other side again. What? Which, I don't know why. And this is the scene no. where, yeah, he's in the womb, then he's immediately in the ear, and then he's immediately in the mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he just kind of bounces around. Yeah. So they hop in a car. Yes. And start driving back to the lab. Now, they have both the circuits, they have Tucker in the right body, but, oh no, the toddler-sized bad guys, honey, I shrunk <laughs> the bad guys, are in the back. And they start using toddler tactics to try and make them crash or stop them from going to the lab. Mm -hmm. I don't know what their plan is in these scenes, but they attack. Because they defeat the bad guys? I, I can't remember how they did that. They kick him out of the car. They kick him out of the car, and then they've got to make a phone call in a scene that we don't need to talk about. I, I was actually... I was thinking about this. I was like, did they build, like, a larger-than-life telephone booth, or did they green-screen them into a regular-sized telephone booth? Because there's, like, some other civilian that comes along. I think there is someone that walks past, so maybe... Well, then maybe the civilian is green-screened into... I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's green-screened. It's a... I think yeah. I remember 
thinking it was green screened, but uh, they could have made a giant ass telephone box. Who knows what they did with this? Punch. Who knows? So yeah, now that yeah, Terminator has been killed with the stomach acid, which was pretty cool. Stomach acid, great, great device. Yeah. So Tucker causes Jack. He tells him he sees a big tumor in there. Oh yeah, that's which right. Causes Jack to become so concerned. His his uh, Chekhov's. Hypochondria. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he causes his stomach ulcer to burst and releasing uh, more stomach acid. Yeah. Which allows him to burn the bad guy in the stomach acid. <laughs> which was cool. I like that. Uh, I, I like that sort of, you know, using using your surroundings, adapting and defeating the bad guy mm. that way. It was yeah, good. yeah, it was totally. Good. So, yeah, now Tucker, well, Quaid is running out of air. Uh, inside of his pod, so they have to get him out. Quick, 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 quick. Yeah, so they rush to the lab. Uh, Mutton Short has to sneeze him out, which brings back Chekhov's allergies. The Chekhov's hairspray allergy. <laughs> oh, no. He sneezes Tucker out, and then Tucker is enlarged and, and back in the real world. And they all hug it's all very nice. Yeah. It's the end of the movie. That's yeah. all we need to mention. Nothing else happens. No. <laughs> Except the cigar. The most important bit of that, which was that he's offered a Colombian cigar. A cu- Cuban cigar. Chakoff's Cuban cigar. <laughs> oh, no. And then, because then, then... Oh, no. There's more of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure is. The, the, this is where the stupid eat me, drink me thing happens. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Check the... Chekhov's check, Alice reference. Alice in um. Wonderland reference, <laughs> which is not a Chekhov's Alice in Wonderland reference from the film. It's a Chekhov's Alice in Wonderland reference from this podcast because we said that there'd be an Alice in Wonderland <laughs> reference yes, later yes, on. Yes. But yes. not the film did not foreshadow this. This film did not set it up in advance. We did on the podcast. So there's no, some I clarification. I would have loved it if they had a thing earlier where it was like we see the scientist hit like <laughs> um, uh, the, the drink me button. <laughs> and then later on, um, they now have to do the like eat me or drink me. And the guy like died. So they don't know which is which. But they didn't set it up. If they had set it yeah. up, like the rest of this film was set up. Would have been good. Well, they didn't. They yeah. needed this movie to be exactly 120 minutes long. And that scene, it was just it was just the two minutes that they could spare to make it exactly <laughs> yeah, 120 yeah. minutes. So they had to cut that part out. That was the one part yeah, that yeah, yeah. got cut out. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that reference, but whatever. I thought it was good. It was it was nice. Once he's enlarged, we cut to uh, we cut to Tucker and Lydia getting married, mm. and, and and Jack's there, and Jack's like, "Oh, isn't this nice? My love things. Uh, yay! My boss is here for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why he got invited. Oh yeah, that's right. Why that 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 is true. Why?" Are people who are related to Jack invited to the wedding of Tucker? Why is the therapist invited? Why is this doctor here? Why is the co-worker that he's got a crush on at work invited to the wedding? And yeah, why is his boss invited to the wedding? Chekhov's characters. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were set up early in the film. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, uh, they get married. They uh, drive off. But just before they drive off, uh, Jack tips the driver, tells him not to run any red lights, you know, that sort of thing. But the driver 
Bum, bum, bum. It's Cowboy. Cowboy is back. And the driver is Cowboy. Oh, my God. He's got a suitcase, and he puts the suitcase in the back of the limo, and inside the suitcase, it's the two baddies. They're shrunk down, what? the two shrunk baddies. What is mm-hmm. happening in this film? Why Why is Cowboy here? How is he not recognised by anyone except for Jack? Yeah, I, I don't know, because T- like Tucker wouldn't have recognised him, but Lydia has seen him. Lydia's whole thing was she's been stalking this guy for ages yeah, as well. Yeah. I know. I guess she's too mar- she's too busy with marriage things, but still, like, eh. <laughs> Her one weakness, snogging. Then Jack spots them, and it's like, oh no, the game's back on, and he grabs uh-huh. a car, and he runs after him, and that's the movie. Yes. But, but there's the, the important character development, where he goes... Uh, hey, doctor, I'm cured. I'm brave now. Hey, woman I had a crush on. Fuck you. Hey, hey, uh, my boss, I quit. And then he leaves. Yes. Also, uh, one of the uh, Chekhov's t- details. <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the, like, the, the, the bigger, smaller chips, they're on his cufflinks. Yes. Oh, they are right. there on Jack Quaid's cufflinks. That's the movie. That's in the space. This is a long episode. Uh, look. There we go. There's a lot about this movie that when you think about it, uh, might not work. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I, I Now that it's been explained to me, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we went through two yeah. hours of this yeah, film yeah. to make you realise what you should have realised by going through two hours of this film. You're a scientist, Ben, so you were able to explain everything I to me. I am not a scientist at all. <laughs> not a scientist. You are, you are a doctor, though. Also not a doctor. A doctor of film, I would say. I, I mean, no, I'm not, but thank <laughs> you comedy. for the offer. That was a long synopsis. This is definitely the most blockbustery film we've done this year. And like most blockbusters, it is a little bit bloated, which is kind of my issue with blockbusters from kind of the 70s to today, is that a lot of them do feel quite bloated and and over the top. But when I was watching it, I had a lot of fun Mm. and I enjoyed it a lot. So so it's a solid goodie from me out of five stars, maybe three and a half to four. I don't know yet. Uh, I need to give it more time. But yeah, it's definitely a goodie from me. Uh, what are you going to rate it, Zach? Oh, uh, look, I really liked this film a lot. There was a lot of things, but there was also a lot, a lot of plot points currently when I was watching. I, th- I think I need to rewatch this film. <laughs> now that I've had it all explained to me, it'll make a lot more sense and it won't take me out of the film when I'm watching it. Uh, but my, my current experience was that it was more of an oldie than a goodie. Yeah. But I'm, I'm willing to change that. And rewatch it. So it's an oldie from Zach, then. What do you think, Ben? Uh, I definitely. I'm rating it a goodie. Um, mm. I think it's like it was. It's definitely not a baddie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's it's definitely a goodie. I would say for me, it's like three stars out of five. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not amazing, but it's a it's a goodie. Yeah, it's not incredible. It definitely should be remembered better than I think it is, though. Like, not many people have heard mm. of this film, and I think it's something that a lot of people would enjoy. Yeah. The next segment is now, Ben. You have you actually haven't been on since episode one hundred, and quite a few things have changed in the year twenty twenty one. For example, Whoa, we're not okay. doing sequels anymore, although we might be All at right. some point. I'm thinking of putting something up on Patreon for Patreons to decide if we remove either the add and remove or checklist segment and put the sequel segment back in. I don't know. Who knows? This is the segment where we pick one thing to add, one thing to remove, just to improve the movie 
a little bit? Uh, well, I would say um, I think I like I mentioned it before uh, in the in the podcast. I would I would have added more sort of visual inner inner body effects mm. or sequences where you see more stuff that's like interior of of the human body. Uh, yeah, I just I think it would have added a little bit more atmosphere to the film, but I think uh, you know it was mainly a kind of comedy. What it would have taken away, I, it's hard to say because it's like. I I would have taken away maybe like twenty minutes of the film, but I don't know, I don't know which twenty minutes because I think I like all of the little bits separately. Um, there's probably like twenty minutes that is not integral to the plot somewhere, but I can't mm. tell. So my answer is twenty minutes, but I I'm not going to specify. Yeah, maybe you just like shorten what is already there instead of taking out an entire section. Maybe I don't know. I think I would remove the bad guy that they had and replaced him with just Cowboy as the bad guy. Mm, interesting. And then have all of him and then cut out the rest of the other bad guys scene. And that way we can have them being captured and just go straight to being locked up. Yeah. We could squeeze squeeze 20 minutes out of that. That'd I guess. <laughs> oh, but I I really enjoyed the, the meat truck chase. Yeah. Mm. We have that, except it's the cowboy. It's the cowboy in there, not the other bad guy. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm also removing magnets. Oh, That's yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't understand them. How do they work? How do they work? I would also add, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much the same thing Ben Ben was going to do, which is more, more sci-fi elements. I'm a big fan of the sci-fi. Maybe more scenes for the rabbit. I don't know. I understand what that rabbit was doing. How how was he doing after his big his okay. big you know right. career move? Yep. He had his big career move ahead of him. He was going to be this test subject. It was really important. And then some jackass comes along, gets stabbed in the ass. That Jack. <laughs> Jack ass. Jack rabbit. I'm going to add the words in a space to the movie more times than they currently <laughs> are in the movie because. Look, I don't know why the movie's called Inner Space. There's one like monologue that the bad guy goes on where he's like, "Space, it's a, it's all big, but who cares? Who it's it's the inner space that we care about." I just want the term <laughs> inner space to be in the movie a lot more, and I it's definitely not because I couldn't think of something to add. What I'm going <laughs> to remove is the whole ending action sequence with the miniaturized bad guys. At just that point yeah. was when I started to get a little bit tired, so I would maybe remove that. Have the final action set piece just be. Uh, Quaid versus Terminator in the body. I think that would have been probably mm. a better action sequence rather than the whole car chase thing. Quaid versus Terminator. That that was what I was thinking of when I said remove the bad guy. Yeah. Was remove that sort of whole thing. It's not a bad scene. It's just kind of like a, no. oh, okay, we're still going. We're still going kind of moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a lot. All right, the checklist. Ben, this is something that we've been adding to all throughout the year. Okay. We've been watching all these movies, and we've been noticing certain things that keep reoccurring. Okay. And those things that reoccur, we add to, yeah, the checklist of tropes that we've noticed from movies from the year 1987. So okay. we're, we're going to go through these tropes, see which ones this movie also has in it. Then at the end, uh, right. if there's any tropes in this movie that we notice that aren't in the list, we'll add them. Okay. The first trope is, was in a space bad porridge? What does that mean? It means, was it either good porridge or bad porridge? Yeah. What do you well, think? The simple logic being that if it cannot be good porridge, like a regular bowl of porridge, it therefore must be bad porridge. 
Yes. I don't understand what this question is demanding of me. <laughs> I, I, I will say that it is probably bad porridge. I think it Wouldn't is. would make a good porridge. It's a movie. Because it would be too small. It would be shrunk so much that you would be like, this is, mm. what's this, a bowl of porridge for ants? And you wouldn't want to <laughs> yeah. eat it. I think it's bad porridge because... Yeah, it's a film, and I wouldn't, like, it would get stuck in my teeth if I started eating yeah. the celluloid or the disc or whatever. I'd, exactly. And if I'm watching it on a, uh, off a computer, if I'm streaming it, then I can't eat it. So, yeah, awful part. That's the best answer from a guest we've ever had. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, were the characters dumb throughout the movie? Like, oblivious, not figuring obvious stuff out? I think, I think the not figuring stuff out was the right amount. Mm. Obviously, there's, like, some dramatic irony or comedic irony coming from the fact that Martin Short doesn't realise Dennis Quaidon's inside him. Then there's bits mm. where Meg Ryan doesn't realise what's going on. But I think it's, like, within reasonable limits. Yeah. That's not dumb. It's just, like, you wouldn't understand either. Exactly. It's, like, a, re- yeah. it's like a sane reaction. yeah. To so think, I think that you're possessed by the devil. Yeah. Uh, we've noticed that a lot of American movies in particular have bad guys from foreign countries. And oh, yeah. that is the case here, because the cowboy is... Yep, cowboy. From a foreign country? Yep. Did all the good guys live? Yes, they did. It gets that one. That mm-hmm. one's checked off. Did a good guy sacrifice themselves? No. Emotionally. Was there a generator or power outage? Yes. The science lab has a power outage as they are enlarging Tucker. So that is a power outage. Uh, was the female lead only there to fall in love with the male lead? Which, look, Meg Ryan does some things, but she is mainly there to be a love interest. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, there's certain things, because she's a reporter, she's the one who has the link to the cowboy. Oh, yeah. But I think apart from that, it's borderline. I think this one could get a pass on this one. Maybe. Um, Just because she has more of a character... But it's also, she is the love interest. Yeah. So it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit hard not to give it So, so I, th- I feel like she's not just there to be the love interest. I think yeah. she's there, she is the love interest, but I think that's different. Compared to some of the other fe- female roles we've seen this year, I think she's got much better role. Yeah. Uh, were there dead animals in the movie? Did the rabbit die? Yeah, I think the rabbit died in that freak accident where the, the bad guys came in. Yeah. Pretty sure that rabbit died. Yeah, you're probably right there. Is this a ripoff of other famous movies? Yeah. This is a complete ripoff of Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> mm, yes, that's true. A complete uh, ripoff yeah. of those films that came out 30 years after this one. Correct. Like, like how that other film was a ripoff of Inception, is that? Yes, correct. Exactly. Uh-huh. Fantastic Voyage. It is. It is a ripoff of Fantastic Voyage. It, it is. Yes. It is. It, yeah. I don't think it's even like a reference, like Alice in Wonderland. Does a vehicle break down? Yes, the pod breaks down at some point. It gets that one. Also, the car crashes in the, that final action sequence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Was there slow motion? I enough none that I can remember. No, I don't think there was. No, no slow motion. Noticeable green screen? No, the green screen was so good. And actually, no, there is one moment. There's one moment where the pod uh, that Quaid's in, I think, crashes or it falls to the ground or something, and you can easily tell that the image of Quaid through the quote-unquote window is just the scenes that they shot with him plastered 
onto an inanimate object. <laughs> so that was kind of obvious. Yeah, I don't remember it. Uh, was there a song with the title of the movie in it that was not, but that would have improved the movie greatly? In a, <laughs> in a space. Is that what you're adding? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Narration. There was no narration in this movie. There was no obvious dubbed over dialogue. And it does not end in a freeze frame. So it doesn't get the last one of those. Uh, it is a sci-fi though. So it does qualify for the only for sci-fi trope, which is opening shot is space. And it does not get that. So there we go. Are there any tropes stuff that you noticed in the movie, Ben, that you might want to add to this list? So I, I would say unlikable, likable hero. Mm-hmm. So, because, like, we're introduced to the guy as, like, a drunk and, you know, ha- probably hasn't treated his girlfriend that well, but we're rooting for him, I guess. I like that one. That's a, that's a good trope. What about a trope of ma- ma- science explaining magnets? I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> a trope is just magnets. I'm vetoing that. Veto. Magnets is, is now a trope and also uh, Chekhov's blank is a trope. Yeah. <laughs> no! Uh, no! The Chekhov joke dies now. <laughs> you, you can't hack into my phone and change this. With the power of magnets, I might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, it's time for... Raving reviews! Ah, uh, yes. It's the part of the show where I get uh, reviews from the only place that matters, Rotten Tomatoes, from the only people that matter, which just means not the, the reviewers, which actually reviewed the film. And we agree with the reviewers more so than the audience for this one, which is interesting. Uh, yes. A lot of reviews were like, I preferred The Fantastic Voyage. Mm. But there was a few, few choice re- reviews that I managed to pick up, which I think you guys will... Uh, Agree with. Alrighty. You just have to pick between 0.5. So remember, there's 0.5 and 5. Mm-hmm. So the first reviewer is Adam, who says, After years, it's still watchable, but not that funny. Aww. Uh, 2.5 from me. I was going to say 2.5 as well. You can absolutely pick the same score. Alright, yeah, 2.5. You shouldn't have, though, because it was 2 out of 5. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, lucky I didn't pick 3, which was my next next choice. You might agree more with Mandy, who says, Love this movie. It's crappy, but in an epic way, smiley face. This might be a double bluff. It might be like, because she's mentioned that it's crappy, so it might be like a 1 out of 5. But it could mm. be like the type of person who's like, Oh, this is so crappy, 5 out of 5. I don't know. What do you think, Sandro? Oh, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, 3.5 is probably where my head's at. Ah, that doesn't help me, because I, I was hoping you were going to say, like, either 1 or 5, and I would do the opposite one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say I'm gonna say 1 out of 5. You're going to say 1. You're going the other end. Okay, okay. Yeah. It was 4 out of 5. Ooh. Maybe you'll agree more with uh, Jackie, who says the 2nd of the 28th, 2009... 10 o'clock reviewed and that's it that's uh that's what we've got to go with yep fucking i don't know <laughs> this uh, this is a stab in the dark isn't it three mm, i'm gonna go one and a half. Ooh, it's 3.5 ben was pretty close ben was pretty close Vugan says and so molly's education continues <laughs> oh god the 4.5 4.5. I'm going to go 5 out of 5. It's 5 out of 5. Sandro gets the point. Right. Sandro gets the point. He's got this. We have Benjamin who says middling entertainment. 
Well, I mean, middling suggests mm. 2.5, doesn't it? Are you going with 2.5? But Yeah, I'll go 2.5. I'll just trust my first instinct. Yeah, that's a good plan. That's a good plan. I'm going to snatch up that 2. It's 2.5! <laughs> Dude, this is my childhood. So there's no pissing on it. Good memories, and you know, I like to see it again, even though I figure it's dated now like crazy. Aw. Aw, man. No, it just says aw. Five. Five out of five. Five out of five. I'm going to go for a solid four out of five, because this person is acknowledging that it might be dated. Mm. It's four out of five. We have an intellectual known as Mo. Mo says, wow. It's amazing, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. I love it, dot, dot, dot. Mo. Oh, thanks for signing off the review, Mo. Yeah, they signed it off. I liked that. Uh, I'm going to go five out of five again. Well, then I have to go 4.5. All right, you're 4.5. It's five out of five. Well done, man. He's tying it up. Tied again. Perfect, because this is the last review. Ooh. It's from presumably not friend of the show, David, who (laughs) says, oldie, but amazing and funny too. Oh. (laughs) Not a fake out. Uh-huh. That was Chekhov's fake out right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, Sancho, what do you think? David says with oldie, but amazing and funny too. I'm going to go 3.5. See, I wanted to say 3.5 as well, but I feel like if I do that, like it's not interesting if I do that. But I I don't care. I, I'm going to say it anyway. 3.5. I'm going, I'm honoring my instincts. But there's no way you can win. Yeah, but there, there's also no way I can lose. That's true. That is true. That, that is, is true. the coward's way out if you want to choose that, <laughs> Ben. Absolutely. That's fair. That's what I would do. Because it's wrong. It's four out of five. Oh. You guys were so close. It's a draw. There we go. That is the episode right there. In a space, a long one. A longy but a goody, one might say. <laughs> um, ben, thank you so much for coming on the show once again absolutely you're on again uh, later on in the year which i'm excited for for that that's right because uh, we do plan things out sometimes <laughs> you could say this is the setup for you getting on the show later like the Chekhov's guest Chekhov's Chekhov's guest uh, <laughs> do you have anything to plug yeah i do um so i'm putting together a show um that's going to be happening on july the 22nd um, in Melbourne, it's going to be a, a live comedy variety show, apocalyptic themed with a dance party at the end. And the title of that show is Apocalypse Wow. Wow. It's <laughs> a movie reference. That's right. Wow. Uh, so fans of the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool people involved. Um, it's going to be really exciting and spectacular and existential crisis. Exactly. Please come along. Yeah, sweet. So that's there, and your socials are Ben Volchok on Insta, Zong Mouse on Twitter. Yep. Um, you can find me, yeah, Facebook, Ben Volchok. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd as well if you want. Mm. Um, yeah, all links in the episode's description, as well as links to the show's Instagram and Facebook and uh, Gmail as well, if you want to send us across any questions or recommendations, anything like that. One time someone was like, hey, can you send me the soundtrack to Hot Dog the Movie? And I was like, 
not really, but here's this is a YouTube link to it. So you can you can ask us anything. Go for it. Just do it. Hot Dog the Movie. It had a good soundtrack, I think. Right into the show. Um, let Zach and Sandro know that their title is a false dichotomy. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Hey, get him out of here. Get him out. Get Ben out of here. We can't have right. him stay anymore. Oh, no, I'm spell again. Whoa, bye. Sandro, you have to pick next week's episode. Oh, what? Shut up, small Ben. <laughs> you don't get a choice in this matter. What do you mean? I, I, I really want to choose what, what film you're doing next. All right, all right. Well, listen to listen to your choices, and then maybe hey, you can help Sandro pick out one. Okay. So we have Blood Dinner. I think you'll find that's Blood Diner. Yeah, Blood Diner. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Two cannibalistic brothers. Wow, a good start. Kill various young women. Oh, not a great start. To use their flesh as part of a new special dish at their rundown restaurant. What? While also committing blood sacrifices to awaken a dormant Egyptian goddess. That sounds exactly like our sort of movie. No. This sounds like a rip-off of Herschel Gordon-Lewis's Blood Feast. Dark Age. Aussie movie. Ooh. Uh, good old Aussie movie about uh, a park ranger that has to deal with a killer crocodile. Oh, yeah, mate. I've seen this. It's pretty good. Oh, there you go. Oh, nice. I saw this as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival and uh, they actually loaned the the film print uh, direct from Quentin Tarantino's personal collection. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sounds like Razorback. Um, we liked Razorback. This could be good. Except Razor Teeth. Full Metal Jacket. Stanley Cooper's war movie about training at an army boot camp. It's a, it's a classic. Yeah, I personally really want to watch this one. I'm putting that one out if you don't pick it, at least for a Patreon. Oh, that is 100%. Made to Order. A millionaire has to get a job as a as a maid after partying too hard. That sounds like the worst of all the options so far. OC and Stigs. So many, so many films. Wow. There's a lot of films this week. This isn't the last one either. National Lampoon Teen Comedy about getting up to mischief. You lost me at National Lampoon. This was directed by Robert Altman. And it's not very good, sadly. (laughs) Doesn't surprise me, to be honest. Revenge of the Nerds 2. Pass, 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 pass. The nerds go to a beach and be real rude dudes. I do not want to watch anything related to the Revenge of the Nerds franchise. Instant pass. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) The squeeze. There's more. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. It keeps going. Michael Keaton accidentally gets involved in a murder investigation. The whistleblower. Michael Caine investigates the mysterious death of his son, who was involved in the Cold War. And the final, Whitewater Summer. Kevin Bacon takes a bunch of boys on an outdoor adventure that quickly turns dangerous. Hang on, haven't we seen that before? Haven't we seen a Kevin Bacon takes people on an outdoor adventure I before? I don't know. Uh, I guess he has a, a movie theme and he's sticking to it. Can I just in- interject and say that if you haven't seen the poster for The Squeeze, you got to see it because uh, it's, it's a really funny... <laughs> I'm going to give you a mic back. Here's your mic back, little Ben. You seem to be struggling there. Uh, have a look at the poster for The Squeeze, because it's <laughs> Michael Keaton in, in between the Twin Towers and a giant 
hand is squeezing him in between them. Wow, incredible. What a poster. That almost makes me want to consider it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, that's also, incredible. not to be confused with, there's a British film called The Squeeze, made in 1977, um, starring mm. Stacey Keach and David Hemmings. Um, that's not that film. Look, yeah. uh, I'm only considering the first three options. So, so what options? You, you, you're choosing between uh, Blood D- Diner, mm. uh, Full Metal Jacket, and Dark Age? Those three sound interesting. The rest are like, eh. I mean, maybe the, the Michael Caine one, but also, eh, sounds kind of boring for an episode, to be honest, when you've got those three as options. I, Full Metal Jacket's great. Really good film. So it'd be cool to talk about that. But I really like Australian movies about dangerous wildlife. I don't know why. That is true. It's a genre that I really enjoy. Razorback was an absolute classic. So I think I might go Dark Age and maybe, well, yeah, we'll do Full Metal Jacket on Patreon for sure. Ben, you did say that was a pretty good one, right? Dark Age is it's it, it's uh, it's solid. It's a it's a good fun film, especially you know we don't get that many Australian sort of like animal horror mm. films. We need we need more to add to our collection. I feel. Yeah, it's a it, it's a good one. It's um it's it's fun. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about it. Excellent. And David Gulpalil's in it. All right, next week, Dark Age, uh, but full metal jacket on Patreon. Probably first Patreon next month we'll do that. You should do a double episode of Blood Feast and Blood Diner. Yeah! <laughs> Blood Feast versus Blood Diner does sound like a very good bonus battle. That's a good idea. All right, I'm going to take your microphone away, Ben. Oh, no! Take, take, <laughs> taking the big microphone. Yep, all right. Yeah, we need we need to wrap this up. We need to wrap this episode up with the best quote from Inner Space. We need to age uh, size up Ben so he can go to his comedy show. You know? Actually, let's just uh, nah. We'll leave him. Oh no! <laughs> leave him. Oh damn it! We'll leave that as a cliffhanger for your next guest episode to find out how we <laughs> fix you. <laughs> All right, my favorite quote from Inner Space is, "I'm in a man. I'm in a strange man. Son of a bitch. I'm in a strange man, surrounded by strangers in a strange room." My favorite quote is, "Somebody help me! I'm possessed." And Tiny Ben, wrap us up. I I, I hate to go out on an anticlimax, but I think the strange man and surrounded by strangers was also my favorite quote. Well, there you go. Sorry. Do you want to do you want to say say that one in in your small voice if you can? I'm in a man. I'm in a strange man. I'll be a son of a bitch. I'm in a strange man surrounded by strangers in a strange room. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.